Okay, so it is September 28th, 2023 on the prayer list. Young Lady Bella, that God would continue giving her strength to, to stay clear of the addiction that has, has been plaguing her. So far, she's doing well. And her mother requested she be on here. Janice and Gail, prayer team warriors, they look at this card and they listen to this and they join us in prayer. Our children and our grandchildren. Jerry Scott, a friend of mine, needing blessings. President Trump, <clears throat> protection for him and his family. Would be nice if truth in government could be had. Wisdom for the days that we're in. Jenny Newberry, continued healing after a heart condition. Marta, Charles, Sebron, Cameron. John and Ruby, Vassie and Linda friends of the Bible study and podcast. Bob's son, Mike, for peace in his heart concerning the loss of his sister. And Kay Kayla, Kayla for healing. A friend of uh, whose daughter? A friend of mine. Your daughter? Okay. And unsaved family members up north. Unsaved family members everywhere. The gospel would come to them over and over again. We'll just pester the daylights out of them. What was it? Spurgeon said something to the effect that if somebody gets their way into hell, let it be across your dead body that they do it, you know. Unsaved family members, he said, of folks in Europe for safety. I don't even know what's going on over there. Eric, John, Rex, Ted, family members needing salvation, persecuted Christians. And um, God knows what that says, but oh, Kathy Gillenwater, was that yours? Yeah. And the first part was what? It says Teresa Salves. Teresa Salves, okay. Yeah. She had a knee replacement in it. Giving trouble? It's infected. Oh, no. Yeah, that happened to my sister over in Princeton. Yeah. That is... That, that is she could lose her leg. I mean, you know, it, it's happened before, I'm sure. Ray, um, got Oatsman on here, and um, Trump, all lost souls. Salvation for all. Answers to the prayer requests. You have a word here right before Osman. <coughs> okay. okay, yeah. I've heard of uh, speaking in tongues, but when I was writing in tongues. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're going to get when you get the mind. <laughs> Jessica Richard family, Beth Thompson, Mark, unsaved man that you had met somewhere. Yeah, today. Salvation. Yeah. And Ron Maynard? Mm -hmm. Okay, Ron Maynard. Let's uh, join hands. And... Heavenly Father, we come praising you this evening. The name above all names. Saved by your hand. Saved from ourselves. Lord, we <coughs> would have your kingdom to come. We would have your will to be done here as it is in heaven. You've heard this list, Lord. I pray that you work in the lives of all these people in these situations to your glory. And we will glorify you for healings even if the one that was healed will not. Teach us tonight, God, from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Train. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was a trumpet. <laughs> oh, well. Well, I'm in trouble if it was. Well, uh, that's just none of us on our, on our face right now. You know. I hope oh, God's right, trumpet you sounds it more. Sounds a trumpet shall sound an intention. More holy than a locomotive horn. Did you say something here the other week about Jenny Lou? Yeah, she'd uh, had a heart, heart attack. Oh. 
and she's uh, she's doing all right. She's <coughs> recovering. She's back home. She spent some time in Radford. Captain? No, uh, Jenny Lou. Um, Newberry now. Yeah, she was oh. a Somer. All right. I was in Exodus 33 here. And this takes me back to when I first began to profess Christ, but not really. I was in that. Twilight John. Yeah, pretty much. You, you think you're saved, and you're not. And that's that's kind of a scary thing, because... But deep down inside, you know? Yeah. The only way to know this, where I was at that time, the only way for me to know that that wasn't Christianity, and that I wasn't getting anywhere close to heaven, was to actually get saved. And experience that change, the, and that happened after about seven years of me paddling around in circles. Um, the word does not return void. I was trying to win an argument with online with the guy who said you could lose your salvation, and I may have told you all this. I'm sure I have. But I had to read the Bible in order to refute his arguments. And it had its effect on me. It changed me. Just the word. Just the reading of the word. You know, when you're a young, young fellow, we're all guys here in school, and, oh, there's that girl. I'm not going to live without her. i got to have her. She's just the best. Sun rises and sets on her, and on and on and so forth. And I am in love. Oh, she held my hand today. We sat at the lunch table today. Well, I'm in love. You think you are. And that's all you know of love. And if you never really fall in love, then that's what you're going to think love was. But someday, you'll, you'll, you'll reach the point you'll fall in love with for real. And when you do, you can't even remember that little girl's name from fourth, fifth, sixth grade. It's a change. And that's what true Christianity, being really saved, is, is, is going to feel like. When I talk to folks, yeah, I'm Christian, yeah, I go to church, such and such. One of the things that bugs me, too, is I, I get it. It's well-intentioned. It's all over social media. You need to get to church this Sunday. You need to get to church. I've seen it on the back of 18 wheelers driving down. You know, this Sunday, go to a church of your choice. <laughs> yeah. You're liable to walk right into it. the biggest mess you've ever seen in your life. A theological train wreck of biblical proportions. You don't just pop in on any church. You better do your homework and figure out what they're teaching. Are they believing this? Or do they augment it there a little bit? Or maybe they say, yeah, we read the Bible. We... Then they never, never really use it. The preacher will stand up there, the so-called preacher, and talk for 45 minutes or an hour and on anything almost other than the, the word here. You know, I, when somebody's really plowing, they're really preaching, you're really working hard, you got got you got you a drink of water every now and then. All right? So if you're up there just laying it out, you better dip back in to the word of God. verse or two, pull that out and go from there and take it for a bit and then get you another another bit of, a, of, of another drink of water. Um, Exodus 33 at the beginning it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, and the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way I love that. It cracks me up when I see that. 
Well, I keep going. And when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned, and no man did put on him his ornaments. For the Lord had said unto Moses, saying to the children of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. I will come up into the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Therefore now put off thy ornaments from thee, that I may know what to do unto thee. I think he's telling them, humble yourselves. And the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by the Mount, by Mount Horeb. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that every one which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. And it came to pass when Moses went out unto the tabernacle that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto a friend, unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. We have Moses speaking to the Lord face to face. This is easy to understand when you put the things together with the Trinity. Because I took this to the pastor at First Baptist Galax shortly after Christian and I got married. Obviously he had been to some seminary somewhere. But we have a bit further in Exodus 33... Uh, we're not even in a different chapter. Verse 18, this is Moses speaking, and he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. And it shall come to pass, while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cleft of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by, and I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. I asked this pastor, it was after a sermon. I said, I got a problem here. I got a contradiction here. He's either talking to the Lord face to face or he's not. You can't have it both ways. Yes, you can. But he had no knowledge of how to explain that. That bothered me for a long time. And I've always found, always, I wasn't saved when I took this on puzzle time. But after being saved, when I really want an answer, God always provides it. You know, and one of the things Chuck Messler said that I always have remembered, he said, when you think you have found a contradiction in the Word of God, that's just as good as a sign that says, dig here. Start digging. Because you're going to learn something. You're going to find something out. What about Abraham talking to the Lord face to face obviously reckoning over uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and um, you know he says uh, told the Lord you know far be it from you to destroy the righteous with the wicked and they start trying to determine how many righteous might be there and Abraham's pushing 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 and um, He said he'd save it for ten, God said. There weren't ten. But Abraham was talking to him. Just like Moses. As a face-to-face, as a friend speaks to a friend. 
I used to listen to some of the R.C. Sproul stuff. He's a bad Calvinist. I mean, mm -hmm. just very, very... Calvinistic. Very, very bad. Um, and he's, he came across that, and he, you know, he says, now, it's, it's, it should read, uh, and the Lord spake to Moses as it were face to face. He spoke to him as it were. The Holy Spirit didn't write as it were. R.C. Sproul plugged that into there because, I'm going to say it, you'd have to have the Holy Spirit to explain the truth to you here. And I'm not sure that man did. I'm not sure of it. I, I, I'm not going to say one way or the other. But to believe some of the blasphemous things that those people believe about our God, our almighty, all-loving God, I, I don't see how they do it. I don't see how they do it. And, and call that Christianity. But he didn't know. God told Moses, Moses said, I want to see your glory. I want to see everything. I've been talking to you face to face. I see your body, but I really want to know what is in your mind. That's what he wants to know. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God the Father, the mind of God, the Son, the body of God, Jesus Christ. I guess the first of all creation, I think we're told. And then the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that God presence that permeates the universe, all creation, and we become immersed. So do you think that Moses in the earlier verses were speaking to Jesus Christ exactly. face to face? He was. The, the Christophany, Theophany, we've heard it called. And, uh, and, but it's interesting. God says, there's a place near me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. Now, we know the typology of the rock. It's always Jesus Christ. And it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cliff of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. You can't see his face and live. Remember, in Acts 7, Stephen, he's being martyred. He's dying. He sees the face of God. says he does. They have stoned him. And he died, but he did not see death. Um... You think he saw the face of Jesus or the Father? Well, this is what it says, starting in verse 54 of Acts 7. When they heard these things, and he, he really laid into them. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God. Isn't that what Moses asked for? Show me your glory saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. I like that too because he'll be sitting normally, but when one is coming to him, he stands. Standing on the right hand of God. And said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. The throne of God himself is glory. He lives doesn't it say an unapproachable light? That's all you would see. So he sees that throne and the glory of God. And he sees Jesus, God's body, standing up to welcome him. And behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul, who we believe was Saul of Tarsus. Um, we're told, and I know at least in the Gospel of John, you will not see death. You won't see it. Looks like Stephen did not see it. He saw the glory of God and Christ standing up to welcome him. After that, if there were any heartbeats in that body, I don't believe Stephen was aware of them. He did not see death. He had his eyes on the prize at that point. I really enjoy 
David Wilkerson's stuff. And he was a true lover of the Lord, a true servant. And then we learn that he's killed on the highway. He is hit head on in his vehicle by a tractor trailer. Did he see the grill of that truck? I do not believe so. I think he saw that unapproachable light and the Lord Jesus Christ standing, and he said, okay, Lord, I'm ready. He didn't see death. And that's a comforting thing. We'll just not see it. Will this flesh and blood body die? Yes, unless the rapture comes and, and we find ourselves alive at that time. It will die. But we won't see death. I wonder sometimes. I mean, you know, some folks have just made on the church all their lives. And they end up with some dementia or other conditions in the nursing home cursing to make a truck driver blush. Not picking on truckers. I was one for 25 years. Um, cursing out the people that are supposed to be tending to them. Why is the Holy Spirit you know, tolerating that? That's just my question. Am I saying oh, I don't think they're saved? I'm not going to say that. But I'm going to say I don't see evidence here that they are. But uh, for those who are truly in Christ, think about the account of Stonewall Jackson passing. And he was mortally wounded, I guess, wasn't it? Or is that how he died? One of those young guys shot him. But he was on the bed. He shot his arm off. And he died of gangrene. Yeah. He uh, had been talking to the people around him. And they said he just all of a sudden looked up toward the ceiling and had the most beautiful smile came over his face. He did not see death. He didn't see death. He saw rather the glory of God and the Lord Jesus Christ welcoming him home. My dad, my dad had that experience. I was right next to him right before he closed his eyes and drew his last breath. But I was sitting there watching him, and he put his hands up like that, and he was gone. You know, like yeah. he was being ushered in to that next If dimension. I recall correctly, Jackson Stonewall did that too. Reached out, like reaching for God. Have you ever seen that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Pastor has a couple times, he said. Seen somebody when they were dying? Yeah, dying, and they obviously were seeing the Lord. Mm -hmm. Therefore, they did not see death. Well, yeah, I, I think, you know, the Bible's pretty plain that Christians pass from death into life but without actually maybe experiencing what death is. Right. I'll tell you, one person that didn't experience death like that was Voltaire. Remember him? Yeah, yeah. The atheist. He, he, he was a, that it had a Catholic or a, a Christian nurse that was administering to him before he died. And she said she's never going to be at another final passing of a person that wasn't a Christian. This guy was in torment before he died. He felt the flames of hell, they said, licking up at him. And he was screaming. And that nurse said, man, I don't want nothing more to do with any of these people that are non-believers. And then they made, what was it, a Bible printing a Bible place? A Bible print shop. It, it, it's still house. there. Yeah. yeah, he said the Bible be gone uh, well, within 100 years. He, he also had a little snide comment about Sir Isaac Newton. Um, they stopped teaching that Newton was a Christian and a Bible scholar and a prophecy scholar um, because that would cause people to maybe take a look at the Bible. You know, when I was an atheist and I was finding out that Christians, I never encountered one. I'm sure they're out there, but I just didn't encounter one. I didn't encounter any of them that could defend what they claimed to believe. You know, uh, I would show them something like this Exodus 33 presumed contradiction and they didn't have an answer you know uh, be like well you know 
God works in mysterious ways. Yeah, I can fly the universe through that loophole. You know, you're staking your eternity on something. You probably ought to make sure it's genuine, right? <laughs> and, and so the Bible proves itself in so many ways. You know, we find in the book of Job, which some say is older than the five books of Moses, we find God saying that he hangeth the earth on nothing. He hangs it on nothing. Well, that's a head scratcher. Back then it would have been for quite some time it would have been. There was a quote that Nietzsche met, remember him? He said, God is dead, Nietzsche, and then somebody underscored that and said, Nietzsche is dead, God. That's okay. Yeah, that. yeah. Remember that? I saw that, yeah. I mean, these, these folks are enemies of God. They hate God. You know, let's, let's think about it. What if I went into Berkeley University? Not that I ever would, because that's a bastion of liberalism right there. And I said, you know, I want to teach you all about the Great Pumpkin. I doubt you've heard of him other than the Charlie Brown cartoon, but what you don't know is the Great Pumpkin lives. And it is his will to give you Halloween candy and chocolate milk for eternity. You take whatever you want of it. What would they do? They would laugh me to scorn. They would say, you need mental help. They don't act that way when God is being preached. They get angry because deep in their souls, Romans chapter 1, they know. They're without excuse. They know. I used to write some really dark poetry as a, as a young man, sort of based on how my life went back then. And I was denying God and I... I think what the truth is, I was angry that he didn't deliver me out of some situations I ended up being in as a child. Um, so I was angry at him. And, you know, looking back, what I was trying to do was poke the bear, try to get his attention, try to say, okay, come talk to me. You, do, you won't, because you know why? You're not real. You can't be real. And um, I noticed, though, as I look back over some of that stuff, more than 40 years ago. Uh, when I would mention God by pronoun in the middle of a sentence, I would capitalize it. He or him, why am I doing this? If he doesn't exist, if he's not holy, why does he deserve his pronouns to be capitalized? But I was doing it. So I... Um, I guess. But a lot of people are in that boat and it gives me patience toward people that I see today that you know, that's kind of their thing. They they their childhood didn't go real well. And they're blaming it on God. And one of the ways they get back at God is to claim that he doesn't exist. You know, like, according to my evidence, God doesn't exist. And they'll go, well, you know, why does God allow all this evil? Well, he allows mankind free will. And mankind does evil. That's why there's so much evil in the world, because there's evil people in the world needing salvation. But it... it you know, I... I know people that are not believers. They really won't even talk to you about it. And they're in the boat where I'll let, you know, do more good than bad. You know, tip the scale toward heaven instead of hell, but end your life and you'll be all right. But they're not as bad a people as some of these people at church every Sunday. Sorry. You know, uh, they pulled child molesters out of congregations and arrested them. Uh, and pastors. Sure. Philandering has gone on. 
you know, um, there was a man. And you know what? I'm going to do this. Maybe I shouldn't have am. Paul named a guy. Alexander the coppersmith. You look out for him. He's bad news, right? So let me not pretend butter won't melt in my mouth and not name this certain guy. This has been a few years ago, several years ago. A little church out the road here about a mile that you two are very familiar with. There was a wedding. A young lady was getting married. Uh, Robinson lady. And she cut hair at a salon here in town. And the lady who owned the salon, yes, she'd been married three or four times. Hadn't gone well for her. She was a generous lady. Her name was Mary, interestingly. Out of her pocket, she paid for all the flowers. And it was a Friday night that they were decorating the sanctuary for the wedding to be on Saturday. And there was three or four ladies in there, including Mary, who had paid for everything. And the pastor at the time, his last name rhymes with snake, came in there and was looking around, all haughty. And he... When Mary came up, a couple of the ladies who hadn't met him, he shook their hand. Mary extended her hand, and she said, Hi, I'm Mary Rouse. He took his right hand, put it on his hip like that, and looked at her and said, Yeah, I know who you are. Christian prophesied, That man will leave in disgrace. He will leave his post in disgrace. And guess what? He did. He did. You can't be self-righteous and holier than thou and think that God's not going to uncover it. He will. And that gave way to one of the best pastors, probably the best pastor in this entire area, taking that post. Earl, you got something tonight? I hope. (laughs) (laughs) You go ahead and... uh... I'm done. Um, You know... Speaking of that, I was just reading this morning or last night, I can't remember, but this guy, uh, Derothesis, or however you say his name, John claimed, you know, that he was, uh, he called him by name and said that what he'd done, Yeah. he wouldn't receive people, he was, and he'd kick people out of the church and all this stuff. And that's well, you the same thing to, Yeah, and this fellow we're talking about, he went off to North Carolina and fleecing some other flock down there. But just because you sit under a bad pastor doesn't mean you're, you know, accountable for that until you find out that he is, and then something should be done. But you know, uh, well, they're held at a much higher standard than anybody right. else, and they're going to be right. judged differently by uh, what they teach. Mm-hmm. Not many teachers, be you, not many teachers. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. You're in Ruth? No, no, I just... Uh, I'm, briefly, I'm going to open up an issue that's going to leave more questions than we've got answers. Of course. <laughs> because Jerry knows when I get into something, it takes me two or three weeks to get okay. through it. But what's the greatest end-time miracle or end-time sign that we've seen in our lifetime. I feel like Israel, Israel. returned. That's Beca- 1948. Yeah. When Israel become a nation again, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you don't remember that. The rest of us... I've studied something. Okay. <laughs> These two questions, we can go both ways. When did Israel become a non-nation? Now, we understand that when Wrong. they went into Egypt, they went into 70 people, a family, Right. And that equals 70 nations to come from the genealogy. And it only lasted seven days, right? Okay. But they came out with two or three million people. A nation, right? Out of Egypt. Out of Egypt. Yes, sir. Now, what happened along the way? Now, they came out as a nation, right? Mm -hmm. What happened 
that they became a non-nation. Now, idolatry. Well, you can fill in the blanks, but the, the scripture is very clear that now we're not talking about the Babylonian captivity. Now, remember, there was two Israel and in the southern kingdom in Judah. No, let's let's put the northern kingdom out of the way. The land being profitable. The the Syrians took them into captivity in 722 B.C. Removed them. They wasn't known as Jews until the Babylonian captivity. And they came out as Jews at that time. Mm -hmm. And then some of the northern kingdom, some of them, Mm -hmm. the Levites especially, migrated Mm -hmm. south to worship in the temple. And they was a nation. Now the reason they was taken captivity because they didn't keep the sabbatical year. Now, everybody understands what a sabbatical year is. 70 years they didn't care. Yeah. In order to violate 70 of them, you had to violate 490 more years. But that wasn't the reason that they didn't, was not a nation. Turn to Luke chapter 19. Now, what was the one thing that Jesus came into this world for, other than the cross? He sent unto his own. To, To present himself king of Israel. Now, you can go in, into it in triumphal entry. When he rode over the hills, you know, uh, they said, the disciples said, the king of Israel. And the Pharisee says, quite them down, right? Paraphrasing it. And he said, if you don't proclaim me, these stones will cry out. That's right. Okay, now read verse 42. Now, we're just going to pick up some loose ends here. There's a whole complete study in this. Yeah, um, 41 is a paragraph. I'll start. And when he was come near, he held, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day. Now stop right there just a moment. Thy day. Now this opens up another question that Jerry would have to go through. And what day is that? Now, I'm going to give you a figure, but you have to go back and we'll do that sometime. It's 173,880th day. From where? Now, to get to that point, you have to start somewhere, right? So that was 173,880th day from a time period. Now, God held him responsible. Read verse 44. And shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children. Now, that happened in 70 AD. Uh, yeah. Okay. And thy children with thee, mm-hmm. and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Okay, see, Jesus held him responsible for knowing the very day that for him to present himself king of Israel. The very day, 173,880 days. If you guys have never been through that, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> it, it gets kind of complicated, <clears throat> but it's still fun. Go back and read verse 42 again. Say, How many years is that? What? That many days? Yeah. It's 483 years. 483 years. Now, that's using 360-day year. 360 days a year. That's the lunar calendar. That's a lunar. And that's what Israel's on. And that's what Israel's on. He says, If thou hast known even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. Okay. Now, at that moment in time when he presented himself king of Israel, in, in it's April six thirty two A.D. Now you gotta you gotta go back and come to that point. How would you know, how do we know it's April six thirty two A.D. You don't know it just because I'm saying so, but I've been. That's the sun and seventy three thousand eight hundred eighth day from a port in time. Mm-hmm. Remember Daniel nine twenty four, seventy sevens yeah. are given. You go back and you you take four hundred and. Seven times seventy is four hundred ninety. We know it's years from Jeremiah and other places. Yeah, you convert that over into three hundred sixty days. You got one hundred seventy six thousand four hundred. It says until the Messiah, there be sixty nine weeks, not least seven years. Yeah, or one hundred seventy three thousand eight hundred eightieth day. They did not know what time it was. God held responsible. So that's when they became a non nation. Now, how long are they going to be a non-nation? Now, if you're a Jew, don't misunderstand. If you're a Jew and become a believer, what do you, do you become? 
the body of Christ, right? Yeah, Neither Jew nor Gentile. You, you become the body of Christ. But now then he was dealing with Israel as a nation. And he's going to deal with him as a nation again. You can read all through the Scripture. That's what the millennial is for, to fulfill the Davidic covenant. Yeah. And that's, you know, you're a king from your descendant, talking about David. Now, we know David wasn't any personal relations to the Messiah. He just came through that lineage. Yes. Forever. Jesus has never, ever sat on the throne in Jerusalem. He did not sit on the throne in Jerusalem when he's here the first time. Because see what it, what it, they just said to him? Quieten him down. Yeah, they rejected him. They rejected him, totally. Now, how long is this rejection for? Four. No. Until the bones Okay, now go to Romans 11, 25. And, uh, look, Romans eleven twenty five. Now that's where I was going, Joe. How many of us have been in the Valley of Dry been into studying the Valley of the Dry Bones? I've read it, uh, Ezekiel thirty seven. Yeah, but let's go read Romans eleven twenty five just a moment. That says, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. What what's a mystery? That these things are hidden from your eyes. Yes. Okay. Lest you should be wise in your own conceit and conceits that Blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Okay, now, what is the fullness of the Gentiles? When the last person gets saved. When the last person... See, that's the reason Satan don't want us to be fruitful. Fruitful, Because yeah. that person, you or you or me or anybody at least to the Lord, might be the last person. Yeah. Then we're out of here and God goes dealing with Israel again and Satan knows that his time is very short. Very short. Now, let's go back and just briefly... Briefly. Now, this is your fault. You said, do I have anything to say? Uh, it's not a fault. I'm e- glad e- to hear it. Ezekiel chapter 37. Some of our uh, podcast listeners were requesting you. Oh. Just so you know. They're over-medicated. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, there, there's a word for this. This is a vision of a prophecy. Now, if we was reading this, let me back up. This is real. What? Ezekiel saw was actually a real vision that God showed him. But it's describing something that's going to be much greater and much more real. And this happened in May the 14th, 1948. If we was reading this in 1940, we wouldn't know what it meant. Now, incidentally, we've got an 8N Ford tractor made in 1948. Uh-huh. His name is Jacob. Jacob, okay. <laughs> now, one one other thing when you when you you just said something that might remind me of something. Who was Jacob? Who he, who did he become? Israel. Israel. When you see those two names mentioned in the Bible, when you see him called Israel, it's Israel in the spirit. When you see him called Jacob, it's Israel in the flesh. Interesting. Okay. Now, Ezekiel was told about something that was going on. And verse 1, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of a valley. It was full of bones. Now, visualize this. Now, this is a vision, but it, it was a real vision. It really happened. Now, if you was looking at, at a much, say 20 acres, just to put it in something we, we can understand, and it was completely full of bones, and they were dry, now, we're going to see what dry means in a moment. But visualize yourself looking at this. And the Lord asked him a question. In verse 2, And he caused me to pass by them and all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. Now, dry means without spirit. We're going to get into that in a moment. Verse 3, And he said to me, Son of man, could these bones live? So I answered, O Israel, God, you know. In other words, he said, God, I don't know. Only you know. And if we was looking at that same same thing, would we know? No. We we would have no... It's just a valley of dry bones. Verse 4, And he said to me, Prophesy to these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. Now, the word breath is pneuma, and it can mean breath as we breathe, or it can mean the Holy Spirit. It can, it can mean 
either one. Yeah. And and this now Ezra had to come back. Hold your place here and go over one chapter. To chapter thirty eight. Now this is is the Gog and Magog invasion. Uh no, back, I'm sorry, back to thirty six. In verse 24, And I will take you from among the nations. Now that's in 70 A.D. Gather you out of all the countries and bring you into your own land. Then, there's a big gap there. That gap is lasted 2,000 years. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all the filthiness of your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. That hasn't happened yet. That's wait until they become a nation. Remember, you read it in Romans eleven twenty five. Yes. Hold your place and go to Romans eleven twenty six. Should should you have to read that when, when you when you was there? <clears throat> I really like the book of Romans a lot. It took us how long to go through three chapters? <laughs> <laughs> Six weeks. <laughs> a long time. Yeah. 26 says, and so all Israel shall be saved. Now, <coughs> stop right there a moment. You've heard preachers, teachers teach, don't worry about Israel. God's going to take care of them. That's not what that says. It says all Israel will be saved after they're judged in the valley, in the wilderness, in, in Ezekiel chapter 20. He says, I'll purge the rebels from you. Then Zechariah chapter 13 verse 8 and 9 says, I'll purge two-thirds of you. And, and that's the ones that's purged. That's the unbelieving Jews, two-thirds of them. Then a third of Israel is going to be saved, and that's who enters the millennial. That two-thirds is interesting because in the tribulation, the first mass dying yeah, yeah. off is a quarter, and then yeah. the second one is the you know <laughs> that they're taking four mm-hmm. billion people. Yeah. But anyway, two-thirds of them is going to be purged out and lost. A third of them is going to be true Israel. Yeah. And then all Israel will be saved. But then, see, that's the reason I can't get into worth studying. I teach too many rabbits. I know, that's, that's all good. Verse 6 I will put sinews. Now, you know, everybody knows what sinews is. That's the muscles and stuff that holds this, uh, or the tissues that holds the skin to the bones. Yeah. 37, verse 6. Yeah. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Now, does anybody have any idea who he's talking about at this point? The dry bones is the nation of Israel. Yes. It's going to tell you that when they were scattered in 70 A.D. You've heard of the wandering Jew. We, we made, and it says in, in other places, he'd be a proverb. That's a plant. You see it? Yeah. That's the wandering Jew. That's a wandering Jew. Yeah. You're right. And it, what, what they were saying, they're just a foreigner in a, in a strange land. They mean nothing. They're done away with. They're not done away with. In verse 7, So I prophesied as I was commanded, and I prophesied, and there was a noise, and, and suddenly a ra- uh, rattling, and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered over them, and there, but there was no breath left in them. Now, that happened in May the 14th, 1948, when it says no breath is in them, but it says they can breathe. Two words. Breathe means they came alive. Yeah. Became a nation. But no breath in them, they didn't have the spirit. Right. They were, they were lost. See, when they brought, came back into Israel, the nation, and still yet, they are not saved as a nation. But he says, I'm going to change that. Verse 9. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, Son of Man, and say to the breath, that thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came upon them, or into them, and they lived and stood up their feet and sealed the great army, Israel as a nation. Coming back. Mm-hmm. Verse 11. And he said to me, Son of man, these bones are who? The whole house of Israel, right? Right. Now it tells you who they are. These bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed, our bones are dry, 
Our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Now you can study, we won't go into Ezekiel 36. Uh, well, let's do Look over to Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 19 and 20. So I scattered them among the nations. That's the same way in the valley of the dry bones. They were dry, they were scattered all over, they didn't have a homeland. I judged them according to their ways and deeds. Now we know that they were judged by idol worship. They worshiped everything under the sun except the true God. Then they, verse 20, Then they came to the nations, whether they went, they profaned my holy name. How did they profane his name? When they was all through the nations. Pretended to be God's people, but not. Part, there's one step, one step forward. How could they proclaim to be God's people? Acting the way they did. Even today, you, you say you're a Christian and you act in horrible okay, ways. Okay, what they should have been, they should have been in the land. God said, I'm going to give you this land, and this is your land. Because he had to drive them out of the land, they didn't worship him. You with me? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, in verse, back into verse 37, in verse 11. Chapter 37, verse 11. Yeah, and he said to me, Son of man, these bones of the whole house of Israel, they indeed, our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and our sins are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves. What do you think graves means in this case? Same thing we read in, in chapter 36, verse 19, And I will scatter you among the nations. Graves is the same word here as nations. Mm-hmm. So what he's done is open the graves, right? Open the nations up. So open the nations up return. so they can go back to the okay. homeland. Mm-hmm. Uh, verse 12 again. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, all my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. See, that pretty well explains to you what the graves are. If you read chapter 36, verse 17 on, or to verse 24, and put you a gap there, that tells you the same thing that the Valley of Dry Bones tell you. I've scattered you all through the nations. You had no hope. But I'm going to bring you back. Why, why is he going to bring them back? In verse, uh, verse 21. Read that to us, Jerry. Mm. Of t- chapter oh, 36. Yeah. But I had pity of... Uh, for my holy name okay. in the house. Okay. God has more I say respect. I don't know if that's a good word or not. Mm-hmm. On his word yeah. than he yeah. does anything else. Yeah. He said he'd bring him back, right? Yeah. yeah. He, he, he said, I had respect or pity on my holy name. Yeah. Because you are scattered among the nations. You shouldn't be there. And that covenant he made with Abraham where they split the animal and they walked here Abraham was again with God, Jesus Christ walking and, and this means it can't be broken right. so God would keep that covenant with Israel God was what he was doing see that was called the blood covenant it takes two people to ratify that covenant and in in the old times if say me and you made a covenant we'd split animals in two lay them side by side and hold hands walk through the animals reciting the conditions of the covenant if one of us broke the covenant, guess what would happen to us? We'd be like these animals. Uh. Now, what God was doing, he was ratifying that covenant, smoking of it and a, and a flaming torch. Since he knows what's going to happen, it's a unilateral... Well, yes, but he had, to, he had to ratify it by two known figures. <clears throat> and he swore to himself. He can't swear to anybody greater than God. Right. So, so that was through the smoking of it and the, blade, mm-hmm. and the, and the uh, flaming torch. That was probably the Shekinah glory. Remember the clouds? Of, yeah. Yeah. B- but he divided himself into two parts. With me? Yeah. And he swore that this land is yours forever. He swore unto himself, in other words. And he cannot change. And he cannot change it. He divided himself. Yeah. For our sakes, too, when he wouldn't look upon his own body. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sin. You're right. You could call it, I mean, call that a bilateral agreement uh-huh. between God and Abraham, right? But since, yeah. he's, since he's Lord of all, though... But Abraham, what was, a, a, I mean, what was Abraham? I mean, we're the ones that, you know, or they're the ones, we're man, we're going to mess it well, up. But the covenant... 
So is it a bilateral unit? Right? Well, no, it wasn't a bilateral in that sense because we were not involved then because this was rejection. Rejection. We have been brought in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we're the seed of Abraham, so we are. Okay. They three. They three different seeds of Abraham. Yeah. The physical of the physical. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right down the line. That's a spiritual of the physical, and that's what you just read in Romans eleven twenty six. Then all this will be saved. Then there's a spiritual that's non-physical, and that's us. That's right. Okay. So the Jews that are held in blindness right now and have been for 2,000 2, years, years thereabouts. They individually, not as a nation, but individually, they have a chance to accept Christ. They have their, it's like you said a while ago, God meant for everybody to be saved. But he gave us that little small attribute that could change everything, and that's called free will. Yeah, that's a dangerous thing. Don't even lost or wandering or scattered, and they don't even know they're Jewish. Do what now? People that probably don't even know they are a Jew. Mm-hmm. They well, may not. Jesus does. God does. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, the blindness that they're held in is they have not accepted the, the Messiah, so they've gone about to continue in Moses, which is... Now they can't even offer sacrifices since 70 years. Right, because they've got no a temple. real crazy take on that one, if you yeah. want to hear it. Okay. The place where Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were, Abraham's bosom, comfortable place until they could see Jesus Christ and be taken to the Father. They couldn't go to the Father except through Christ. What if that place still exists? Um... And this remnant that, that Paul writes about in Romans, he's kept this remnant alive. They are blinded in part. They can't see the truth. He says, as far as the gospel is concerned, verse 28 of Romans 11, they're your enemies. Mm-hmm. But as to touch in the election, they're beloved in the Father's sakes. What if, what if God kept them in blindness and said, yeah, you're not going to me because you don't know Jesus Christ. You go right back where Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were. Y'all wait there until these two witnesses of Revelation chapter 11 come after you and bring the gospel and bring the truth. That's just an idea. I've had a lot of trouble reconciling what I find in Romans 11. Yeah, but the trouble is those people have passed away except for the existing generation. We're in the last generation. Yeah, but what if you were a, a, a Jewish person who's been kept in darkness for the sake of the Gentiles and you come of age or you dying of record illness or, yeah I understand you know, that but we're, we're all in darkness until we see Christ but if in your case Israel still as an individual still has that chance to be saved yeah as an individual as an individual yeah messianic Jews yeah anybody yeah. anybody yeah. but but not as a nation right but see we still got a little attribute there called the free will That's right. do they have that free will to do it they've been blinded but God has still gave them the gospel sure in well, verse chapter eleven, talks about the olive tree, the wild branches. Grafted in. Well, yeah. it's kind of like every every uh, nation that's been raised in a false religion. They are so they're so entrenched in it that they can't see get the truth out of it unless the spirit of God mm-hmm. pulls them out. And like like you and your atheism, my and my churchism before I got saved. <laughs> churchism. The <you know>, <laughs> same thing, you know. Uh, God knew we were going to be saved. But he didn't. He didn't. He didn't make us be saved. You know, oh, it's salvation has appeared to everybody. Yeah, and yeah. not to miss the day of visitation. Yeah, how would it appear to everybody? Romans chapter one tells us that. Well, yeah, two witnesses, heaven through the, through, through two witnesses, conscience and, and creation. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. that's the truth because there are two words that it doesn't matter what language you speak, even if you've never heard it or seen it before. When you hear these two words, everybody knows what they mean. That word, those two words are hallelujah and amen. Everybody on the planet, it doesn't matter what, where you come from, what you spoke, if you didn't speak, you'd still know those words. We have Psalm 19, you know, because people, one of my questions, and I'll be asked it from time to time, what about the American Indians? They didn't hear this gospel. Spirit in the sky. Yes, they did. They looked at the yep, stars. Yeah, exactly right. written in yep. heaven. They get poor forth speech, Psalm 19. Many of them would have called out to God and, and, and found and themselves. The song has gone yeah. out. And how come a totem pole looks like a cross? Tell me, yeah. make me understand that one. <laughs> well, you know, they, they actually found a group of uh, people in China that spoke China, Chinese, 
and they were keeping the mosaic law, and they didn't know why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it was tradition. Yeah. Uh, so, Earl, this your translation differs from what I think was the King James here a little bit. Yeah, this is the new King James. Okay, okay. that makes sense then. Um, yeah, it's an interesting discussion. The these dry bones, and then boy, they go right into war. Oh yeah, it's a whole study all by itself. Just that. Well, I can make it in two or three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact. You ought to go to his Sunday school class. We can go through three verses in four weeks. <laughs> we? Oh, well, I maybe. think we'll study the Bible for eternity. I don't think Absolutely. we'll ever finish. Well, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, I just think there will always be something. It says that His Word will abide forever. Amen. Which yeah. Jesus and the Word is the same thing. People say, well, you just worship the Bible. Well, if you do, you're worshiping His Word. And if you worship His Word, you're worshiping Christ. Yeah. Yeah. You think we'll get to sit down with the King and the King will teach us? Yeah. I sure. believe so. Yeah, we'll get our I, time. I believe we'll sit like, all of us will sit like small yeah. children. Well, it says in Hebrews is an amazing thing. I think in the 12th chapter it says that if you, uh, that Jesus will declare in the congregation those that believe in Him He'll declare them, and uh, I guess the opposite's probably true. If you don't, you won't. Well, people that deny Christ, uh, you know, they do it of their own, own accord. <laughs> and the I've had Calvinists say, you're, they say, you're dead in your sins. You can't do anything to cause your salvation to even happen because you're dead in your sins. And I always ask them, can I do selfish things in my sin that I'm dead in? Can I commit selfish acts yeah yeah you can good okay so the life ring is thrown over I don't want to drown I don't care about anybody else on that boat I don't want to drown I'm going to grab it you know I'm not doing anything holy I'm trying to save my bacon that's what I'm doing <laughs> you know I mean so they've got no case there mm -hmm. yeah, yeah because uh, because they, they they claim that you have no choice in salvation. You can't reject it. That is and the most blasphemous it. doctrine ever invented by Satan. This, I mean, it goes back to Augustinian. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And Origen picked it up. And developed all the way up from the 3rd, 4th century mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. and, uh, yes. Mm. But, I mean, I, I don't see how anybody could even be comfortable thinking that way. I guess yeah. it's comforting to know that you're in and you can't get out and, and it just so happens all your family happen to be too. Just your family. How's that? Yeah, that, how's that for some self-righteousness yeah. right there? Well, you know, these people like that, all of them believe allegorically that the Bible don't mean what it says. You yeah. can change. Now, yeah. I heard somebody say, and I agree with him, back in Augustine days, the Roman Empire was in control. And if you were sitting there thinking that there was a real millennium, Christ is going back, come back to earth and reign and rule, rule and reign for a thousand years. And these Roman emperors up there were saying, no, we're going to rule. What would you say? And if you know that they were going to key you, if you... Yeah, didn't acknowledge didn't right acknowledge there. Didn't acknowledge right. they what, right would, what would be your defense? Mm -hmm. It'd be hard not to accept yeah. their viewpoint. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's... Uh, well, you know, the strange thing that uh, it's hard to understand when the King James first came out in 1611, it included the apocryphal books mm -hmm, mm -hmm. until the pilgrims raised such a ruckus over that that they took them out. Uh, they're op they were optional for mm -hmm. a long time. Well, we got 66 books. And if you've ever heard these so-called scholars that talk about Deutero-Isaiah, Mm -hmm. There's two different authors. Of That's what they believe. Now Jesus quoted from both. Mm -hmm. The first, one of the earlier books, mm -hmm. chapters in Isaiah, and one of the later. So, so here Isaiah says, there Isaiah says. So Isaiah is a book. And according to what I was told, it had chapters. Mm -hmm. Some of the older, older books didn't. But they broke them into chapters. The first 39 chapters of Isaiah sound a certain way. Mm -hmm. And then the second 27 sound a certain other way. Totally opposite. Yeah. <clears throat> 66 chapters in Isaiah, 66 books in the Bible, 
The first 39 chapters of Isaiah sound a certain way. The first 39 chapters of the Bible is the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. The second 27 is the New To me, that's just God putting his handiwork, Stamp his, his watermark. You know, like, in other words, let me show you that these apocryphal books don't belong here. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They're not terrible. There's nothing wrong with them, I don't guess, but this is what he wanted us to have. Right. Uh, your your King James Bible is out there without any copyrights. Uh, you can print it. Uh, the rest of uh, that's an NIV. I got saved reading it. I had a, a fundamentalist Baptist preacher tell me one time, I don't know. I wouldn't want to be you. Know, <laughs> <laughs> now, there's a few Bibles out there, translations, that I wouldn't fool with. No, yeah. well, certainly the Jehovah Witness thing. Yeah. And, um, and then some others are not very good. I'll tell you something, though, that I have found interesting. It's out of print, but it's called the Living Bible. Yeah, I've got yeah. one. Well, there's a Living Bible, and then later on they made a translation because the first one was Whatever, a... The new uh, Living Translation. Was a... Uh, transliteration. Yeah. So the Living Bible, I love how... The Gospel of John starts out in the beginning was Christ, and He was God. He was with God, and and it doesn't make mince any words about who what's mm-hmm. been said there. I like that, yeah. but I think everything's got to be measured against the King James. It's been proven in use for over four hundred years, and yeah, it puts things in a more poetic way in places. It's well, it's wrote in Shakespeare style. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they, they haven't changed Shakespeare, no, have they? No. I mean, to me, the King James best way to put it is: What if you had a new living Shakespeare or something? That's right. <laughs> a living. Um, the difference would be in court. You can go to the approach the bench. Your Honor may I approach the bench if it pleased the court. Thus and such. That's the way to say it. That's the way to conduct yourself. Here That's you, the King you, James. Yeah. Now you get some of these other translations. It's like you bump that gate. So. Judge, let me ask you something. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, it's saying, you, you know. No respect. No respect there. But talking about what you said, the two Isaiahs? Yes. See, the Jews today, or back then especially, they believed in two Messiahs. Right, yeah. See, they didn't, there was a suffering servant and a conquering king. And when he came as a suffering servant, see, it is under the rule of the Roman Empire. We don't need him. Let's get rid of him. We're going to wait for this conquering king to free us from from the power of Rome. Well, they didn't know that they was one and the same. See, I've read some of the Jews' commentators that's tore out the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. Mm -hmm. It is a little home, doesn't it? It does. It does for them. Well, you know, uh, the thing about it is they... We we just have to let God tell us what the Bible says. And exactly. First sure John two twenty seven. Mm-hmm. You know we have the Holy Spirit to teach us. Yep. Uh, we'll go on and close. Ron, I hadn't had you close us in a while. Father, we are grateful for this opportunity to come together to increase our wisdom, our knowledge, strengthen our faith, and our beliefs. Lord, we are truly grateful for what you have given to us. We ask that you keep us safe, that you guide us, and that we carry out your will, Lord. Bless those on the prayer list this this evening. And Lord, just give us the strength to carry out your will. In your heavenly name we ask it. Amen. 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 Thank you. Now, next time... Figure out where those 173,880 days came from.